Good morning, Summit. So once again, it's an honor and privilege to, to serve together with you and just to share the message today that the Lord has placed upon my heart. Uh, during this week in preparation for this message, I actually set aside a time for quietness and just peacefulness in the Lord's presence, especially on a, a message on silence and solitude. And, uh, you know, in my day-to-day -day life and my routine with my wife and my, with my son, there's countless priorities and things to take care of, things to do, people to see, as they always say. And uh, it's not easy, to say the least, to be able to find time in silence and solitude. Trying to juggle the schedule day in and day out and being able to land on a date, that, that too was a challenge for us. But, you know, when I approached the retreat center, for some reason it was not available. The date that we chose or that I chose, it was not available. And they even had a policy. You have to book one week in advance, and they weren't going to budge on that or make any exceptions on that. So I actually felt quite disappointed. On top of that, they had two groups already at that center over those two days that I was going to choose. So they weren't going to make any room for me, and I felt, oh, it can't be that, this hard if it's God's will for me to spend silence and solitude at the retreat center, right? So I felt very frustrated, and you know, it was very difficult for me to be able to continue on. I wanted to give up on the idea entirely and just, uh, just not go through with it. Why even bother? So all that to say today is that I know it's very challenging to carve out time for silence and solitude. Obviously, it's a very busy world, and we all have many things to do. And on top of that, uh, some of you may have even busier lives than me. I'm sure that you do. But I, I wouldn't blame you if you weren't able to find time of silence and solitude, whether it be in a retreat center, at home, or wherever it is that the Lord calls you to, to be during this time and season. So I, I admit that it is really hard and difficult to be able to set aside time and space to actually be silent and spend a time of solitude with God. So thankfully, I managed to find a guest house that at the center during this week, actually on Wednesday. So praise the Lord that he opened up an opportunity that I was able to make it, even despite my frustrations and temptation to, to kind of give up on the idea entirely. So that's the backdrop for the message today that is encountering God in silence and solitude. So let us begin. What is silence and solitude? First of all, there is not one without the other. When you spend time in silence, it's really setting aside space to be with God and just simply to draw near to him, as we shall see. It's a time where we put all distractions aside and wait upon the Lord to speak and we deliberately listen to him carefully. It's in silence that we sense the subtle movements of the Spirit of God moving within us and the gentle whisper that's calling us out of this chaotic world and all the, the different things that are going on and the news headlines and all that we see. We're so prone to be busy at work and the many priorities and roles and responsibilities that you've been given at home, in the workplace, at church, there's so many things that are going on and it's so difficult to just set aside that time with God. There's so many cares that, and concerns in our lives, and it's very important that we intentionally put that aside and spend a moment with God. See, the challenge is that Jesus is always inviting us to a solitary place. You see this many times in Scripture. So he deliberately does this. It's an opportunity for him to be recharged and restored in fellowship with God the Father, and that's the challenge and the invitation that he has for each and every one of us. Before his public ministry, he spent 40 days in the wilderness. 
And he was there in prayer and fasting, but he was also there in silence and solitude with God the Father to seek his direction. Before Jesus even chose his 12 disciples, he spent the entire night in a time of prayer for discernment for who to choose to be on, to be on, his, uh, on his side, on his team, if you want to use that word. And he spent that time on the, the mountainside and in the time of a place of, a place of solitude with God. In solitude, you spend time with God and you take time with God to actually rest in him. On top of this, in this place, you can explore the deepest desires that are within you. You draw it out. And the truth of how much we need him, but on top of that, how much we need one another, which we'll get to in a moment. A.W. Tozer says that silence is really the, the price that we have to pay to actually get to know God. If that's not humbling to you, I don't know what is, because just to be able to spend that time with him and put aside everything of the world and, put, and just be able to come to God and, and get to know him is a divine privilege and it's such a sacred moment that we have with God. And yet it's so easy to neglect it and look to the ways of the world and chase after that. Meanwhile, God is always waiting for us in that place. So that's the challenge for us, day after day, day in and day out. It's in silence and solitude that we sense the tension that is within us. We're kind of hanging in that moment and it's so difficult to be able to put aside what's out there and being able to explore what's within here. We feel the need sometimes to just simply breathe and just a deep sigh of relief because sometimes we don't even have the words to express how much we're going through. And we take a moment to deliberately do that before God. It's a moment where we consider the gravity or the weight upon our shoulders because there's, there's so much going on and it's so difficult to be able to just let go and let God, as we always say. There's unspeakable, and unspeakable, unspeakable pains that we go through sometimes with God himself, and just being able to wrestle in prayer and submit to him is a challenge in and of itself. There may be hurts that are hidden or pent up anger and frustrations, bitterness in relationships, workplace struggles, financial health struggles, and the list goes on and on and on. And we don't have words for it, and we come to God in silence and solitude to surrender it to God and see what he has to say and listen to him. So here we open up ourselves for a visitation from God. And we actually delve deeper to discover the hidden mysteries that he has underneath it all. And he often only reveals this in times of silence and solitude. They are very sacred. There is a reality that exists that's greater than our human perception that can only be drawn out in this kind of space. And it's a place of quietness, it's a place of rest, it's a place of peace. And that's the challenge for you, if you're willing to, to come to him to find this. Here we learn to wait upon the Spirit of the Lord to, to lead us there. And this is the starting, starting point as we wait expectantly before the presence of God as he invites us to do so. His invitation to us today to, is to encounter God in silence and solitude through, through three streams. And the first stream is finding stillness in God. We can find stillness when we're not given in to the busyness of this world. But on top of this, on the other hand, we can find stillness in God when we don't give in to the idleness of the world as well. So the discipline of stillness it requires careful discernment so that we don't fall on either extreme, busyness of the world, idleness of just doing nothing at all. 
It's a very intentional and a meaningful time with God. You're not just sitting there doing nothing. So that is a challenge in and of itself. So in Psalm 46.10, and we, the scripture was up there when we were worshiping the Lord just now. The commandment of the Lord is to cease striving for the things, things of this world and to be still and know that I am God. So one of the keys to being still is to embrace these moments of quietude with God and spend quality time with him. In stillness, we learn to subdue our fleshly desire or this sinful nature that we have that is so driven by the way of the world. And we put aside the hurried pace of this life that we're so accustomed to, the habits that we form that are unhealthy or any ungodly desires that are underneath it all. We bring that to God directly. It is a time that's set apart for this new rhythm of devotion to God and a fresh and restorative outlook in our everyday life that we deal with. It's a time to pause and ponder the grace of God in your life, just to actually be still and be thankful, of, thankful for God and all that he's given to us is, is a challenge. And on top of that, just to be grateful for the opportunities that he's given to you to serve him, to share the light of Christ into this world. What a great privilege that he's given us. And in these moments, we seek direction as we put aside the demands of this world and put them in their place and come to our place before the Lord sitting at his feet just to ponder what he's given to us. So Rob Reamer in his book, Soul Care Leader, said this, it is easier to hear God's voice on the go if we have spent time listening in stillness. In our private space alone with God, we are to carry an inner stillness to our outer noisy worlds. We need to create an atmosphere of outer quiet by sitting before the Lord in solitude on a regular basis. We have to cultivate sensitivity in stillness. In this place of stillness, we begin to hear the voice of God more and more clearly. It resounds in the silence and touches the depths of our hearts and our souls. This is the inner stillness that can only come from the Lord who is calling us and challenging us to stop chasing after the wind, these worldly desires that we're so easily given into. You see it all the time, and just being able to put that aside and just give that to God is something that is not easy to do, to say the least. So in this place, he challenges us to pursue peace and to seek stillness in silence and solitude. And I know that it can be counterintuitive for many of us, if not all of us, to actually do this, pursue peace and to seek stillness. Why can't we just simply be still and be peaceful? But God invites us to pursue him as he is pursuing us. So needless to say, this is not a, a vain pursuit. It's actually a holy and honorable offering to God that's pleasing in his sight. And he is waiting for you there. And if you bring to him this sacrifice, you can be revived and replenished in your soul. It requires practice to, to be silent and to refrain from the, the endless ruminating thoughts that are circling through your mind and deliberately put that to the side. So it, it is an opportunity for us to just put aside the distracting voices of the others of this world and even the, the spirits of evil when they come to tempt you to distract you from listening to the voice of God. And it's difficult to, to find stillness in God and, and 
actually listen carefully to his voice and be intentional in doing so. In silence, we seize the fullness of that moment in time, and we wait patiently to commune and fellowship with him and hear him and listen to what he has to speak. With this posture in our heart before the Lord, we acknowledge that our own words don't suffice in the most holy place before the most holy God. What is it that we can say that he does not already know? He knows our hearts. In Ecclesiastes 5, 1 to 3, Solomon warns us to guard your steps when you go to the house of God. To draw near to listen is better than the sacrifice of fools. For they do not know that they are doing evil. Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God. For God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. For a dream comes with much business and a fool's voice with many words. The sacrifice of fools is, refers to religiosity or religious talk Oftentimes, these are self-justifying, self-righteous words that we say to please God, but we're trying to perform for others at the same time. This also can, be, this also can mean manipulating and controlling words or, or asserting yourself so much that you're speaking empty words into the air when we feel worked up or, or restless or anxious or this kind of social awkwardness or whatever word you want to use there where you're suspended in time and you hear the sound of silence. We may speak words of vain in moments where we feel threatened by others, and we may say something, just trying to control the surroundings and the environment that we're uncomfortable with. Or we may feel insecure because there's a deferring opinion, because there's another perspective that we disagree with, and we want to assert ourselves and to say something special when it means nothing at all. It comes from a place of pride. So we may even be consumed with fear or fear we're, we're losing control when we're not speaking. We're so accustomed to speaking and saying this, that, and the other. And you know, sometimes it's really jumbled and it comes from a place that is ungodly and impure to say the least. Or perhaps it's even because of a people-pleasing pattern or seeking the approval of others and saying something profound in, in a moment of silence. So this is a struggle, really, between the false self and the pride of self-centeredness. And it's a struggle between embracing the true self that is really unveiled in the stillness of God in his presence. In the stillness, there is time for renewal when you learn to forget the former self. And you learn to forget that the mask that you use to conceal your ego, as many as they may be, and you also Learn to embrace and put on the new self that the Lord is shaping you to be. In Proverbs 18:21, it says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat of its fruits. So this means that you can bless or you can curse yourself or others by the words that you speak. So there's spiritual power in the words that you speak to tear down or to build up. You give light, you give darkness. So this is something that is very important that we should pay attention to in terms of the words that we say and to speak them carefully and with discernment between good and evil spirits as well. So we all need times of reflection, like a mirror that reflects our lives back to us and even the others that are around us that we speak to as well. 
So be still and you will find the reflection of the image of God that, that is found only in the Lord as you seek the light of his presence that is in the face of Jesus Christ alone. In stillness, in silence and solitude, you realize that God is with us. And on top of that, you'll never be alone, nor have you ever been. That you can actually find peace with the Lord and in the Lord and find a restful rhythm and a place that is peaceful deep down within your heart with God. This leads us to the second stream, the second stream where we can encounter God in silence and solitude, and that is making space for God. In silence and solitude, you cultivate this holy attentiveness to the sacred longings of your heart that actually come from God. And it's an opportunity for us to, to be able to get to know him there. And also you develop a stronger sensitivity to the feelings that you feel, the thoughts that you may be thinking throughout the day, and the underlying beliefs that are behind it all that are keeping you together. So for instance, your affection to, to love others or to be loved by them as well. And also this so-called need to be needed on top of that, there's this void that only God can completely, can completely fill within you and fulfill. So this space really reveals your need for acceptance, for significance and belonging, which is really the universal desires of all, all mankind. As you sit in silence and solitude, you open up your heart to God entirely. And the Holy Spirit will not only reveal to you your godly ambitions, but he'll reveal to you your ungodly motivations that keep you going as well, that really drive you to the ground or drive you to your knees when God reveals that to you. Take the time to examine yourself and ask yourself, are you on the verge of burning out? Are you running on a well-worn path and, and so worried well that you're caught up in, in the worries of this world, countless as they are, overwhelming as they are, so many different distractions and different priorities and responsibilities that we're called to. Are we looking at this with a, a godly motivation, a godly ambition, and seeing it through the eyes of God rather than giving into it and being enslaved by it? So maybe you can hardly even wake up in the morning, let alone fall asleep at night because you're feeling so restless and so worked up. You can tell when you, you bring that kind of presence into the environments that you're walking into. Perhaps you can barely even breathe or you feel like giving up on life entirely and you feel life is meaningless and hopeless and God is not there. You don't sense his presence. You don't feel the depths of his love. Something's wrong. Something's missing. You feel spiritually dry. You're just not there, even though you are there in front of others, like another face in the crowd. The answer may be further discovered in simply being with God or being the child of God that God made you to be because he loves you so much. Not only do you belong to him, but we belong to one another, which we'll get to in a moment. So we need to make space for God to rest in him and who he created us to be. Instead of doing more things, just to prove yourself time and time again. Or having more things and more stuff in order to feel some sense of false security embracing this mask. The reality is all that we are and all that we ever will be is simply by the grace of God. And that's why we need to create space to allow his favor to rest upon us. 
Gerald May, an author and spiritual director, worded it this way in his book, The Awakened Heart. Space is freedom, freedom from confinement, from preoccupation, from oppression, from drivenness, and from all the interior and exterior forces that bind and restrict our spirits. We need space in the first place, simply to recognize how compelled and bound we are. Then we need space to allow the compulsions to ease and the bonds to loosen. The longing of God is for you to make room for him or to accommodate him into your heart, to allow his spirit to speak to you, to counsel you in the way that you are to go, and to work within you his perfect will and the sovereign purposes that he's set apart for you even before the foundations of this earth and beginning of time. In silence and solitude, you find this capacity for, capacity for the things of God, and this is essentially where they are unveiled. And this is where the secrets of the kingdom of God are found deep down within your heart. You can discover the treasures of spiritual wisdom and knowledge, divine insight, heavenly perspective. And there's heavenly riches that are deeply stored up within there, and God has called us to draw it out. And it's so easy to be given into the ways of the world and neglect to do, to do so. In this space, the Spirit of God reveals the truth of who he is to you and he, the truth of who we are to him. And as you have a moment to really look behind the veil of your day-to-day -day life that is so, that is so like, accustomed to us. So I, th I find it quite interesting as we reflect upon experiencing God, especially when we look into the, the world and how art imitates life. So an author, for example, they first start in a place of contemplation. They spend time to make space and they're in silence and solitude before they start to write. This gives them the room to explore the imaginations and the feelings underneath. And they're conjured up within them and this is in the realm that is unseen. They think through word associations and the pictures that come to mind. And there are endless and countless possibilities to explore in the eyes of divine perception, to actually see through the eyes of God and how he speaks through his creation. The artist seeks the inspiration of God from many streams of life and keeps his eyes and ears open to what God is saying to them before they write it down. And although the preliminary steps are to observe others and to imitate them, they are unique in their own right because they are a reflection of the grace of God and the image of God, even through those writings. This is part of the recreative process when we make space for God, where thoughts become words of life and feelings are, are brought to light. Worldviews are stretched beyond ourselves and we see into this divine and heavenly dimension if we take the time. In this space we set apart for God, the unknown is made known to us and his favor rests upon us as we draw it out. Without space, there is no recreation there. And there's no capacity to create something new. Without capacity for change, there's no growth in Christ-like character. And we're all predestined to conform to the likeness of his son.
Do we give him the space? Are we willing to submit our lives to him and surrender to him our everything? Without margin for movement underneath, the Holy Spirit will not break through. Perhaps you feel stuck in the darkness and you have some ungodly healthy, like ungodly pattern or some unhealthy habit that you're struggling with underneath it all and just doesn't budge. This space that you make for the grace of God is where your love for and from God is found. This is where you witness the power of his love that is at work deep within you, bringing about a radical change that only he can bring, quite frankly. Your love for the Lord is ever expanding to the deepest corners of your heart and soul. And this is the place where you learn to love yourself and love others and even love others the way that you love him. But the fruit of the Spirit needs to be ripened before it's ready to serve. And the strength of your character needs to develop before the conduct follows. So this leads us to the third stream where we encounter God in silence and solitude, and that is drawing strength from God. In solitude, we uncover the lonely and empty silence that is within us. And we find that the strength of our hearts can only be discovered in God. You see how much he longs to be with you and how you long to be with him. But there's this, also this longing to be with others and for them to be with you as well. If that's not something that you learned during the pandemic, it's something that God really wants you to know, that we're created as a body in unity and there's strength in the unity in the body and the church of Christ. So you see in this place communion with God and a longing for community among friends and the family of faith that we are called to. We belong to one another as much as we belong to him as a body of Christ and he is the head of this church. We find strength in solitude not only when we discover who we are apart from the body of Christ, but we discover who we are as a part of the body of Christ as well. We catch a, a glimpse of this uh, from David who pleads with God in a moment of prayer in Psalm 62, five to eight. He says, for God alone, O my soul, wait in silence for my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation and my glory. My mighty rock, my refuge is God. Trust him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. The psalmist is not only bringing a personal prayer or a personal petition to God, but a public proclamation to the congregation as well at the same time. In verse five, David first addresses God in solitude by saying, for God alone, O my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from him. And then in verse eight, he addresses the multitudes by saying, trust him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. Again, in verse seven, he says, my mighty rock, my refuge is God. And then in verse eight, he addresses the assembly by saying, God is a refuge for us. Like David, when we draw strength from God individually, we are being prepared to strengthen the body in community. It's not a self-centered approach to find stillness and make space for God, when the purpose behind that is to really renew your strength in order to build up the body 
of Christ. When this happens, we have an opportunity to just be together and be strengthened in unity and just find that togetherness in the body of Christ. A Christ-centered approach is really a time well spent in silence and solitude and to meditate upon who you are in Christ, but who we are as a body of Christ also. From this divine center, we find supernatural strength. This is where your identity is affirmed and your faith is fortified. And when this happens, you bring a safe and secure presence into the church. So with this level of confidence as you entrust yourself to him, you'll find true strength in what Richard Foster calls the solitude of the heart. Even in the midst of the crowd, you can draw strength in silence and solitude because you can rest content in in him and who God created you to be, essentially, and not be given in to the pressures of this world and what others want you to be. In the stillness of his presence, you take a long look in the mirror and you ask yourself this, what is it that you do not see that God sees in you? Because there's a gift waiting to be unwrapped there. And that can only be undone and unwrapped by the the hand of God himself. Don Postema, in his book, Space for God, sums this up quite well. The world needs people who know what they need. Solitude, if they're going to find out who they are. Silence, if their words are to mean anything. Reflection, if their actions are to be of any, to have any significance. Contemplation, if they are to see the world as it really is. Prayer, if they are going to be conscious of God. If they are to know God and enjoy God forever. As we conclude this message, I'll I'll share with you a moment of contemplation in my time with the Lord at the retreat center. When I arrived there on the very first day, there was this kitchenette area, and by the windowsill, there just happened to be a cardinal's nest. The, the, the cardinal's nest was actually perched on the flowering tree there. And I observed that the cardinal birds, you know, took turns to tarry by the nest and watching over three young hatchlings. I could not help but notice how totally dependent these chicks were on the mother and the, the father bird. And they kept chirping and stretching out their necks simply to be fed. And personally, you know, this image paints a a very vivid picture of how life with God is sometimes. We need to constantly be fed and well-nourished by him. And in God, we find our daily provision and our protection from the harms of predators. Also, we need to seek shelter under the refuge of his wings constantly. We need to allow time and space to pass as we gradually mature in him. And though every day and, and season, we, we, we need to be nurtured through every day and season. It's in this place of growth where we are prepared to go out into this world as dangerous as it, as it is. To spread our wings and learn to fly and to embrace more fully the life that God has given to us in this world in preparation for the next. There comes a time when we start to per- break through this proverbial shell 
And we may feel like a young bird who's actually quite eager to fly out there. But we may not be ready to meet the resistance of the wind of this world and all that it brings. So we need stillness to remain in the nest, to be simply strengthened by God. And we learn how to trust the one who feeds us and guides us through every moment throughout the days. When you return to the nest at times, it, it may appear unattended to, but the Lord is in the vicinity and his presence is always near. He's not far from any one of us who are sincerely looking for him. In solitude, we all need to return to this nest, to find a home for the heart. And in addition, this is a place where our heart finds its true home in God and with God. This is the sacred space or the sacred home where the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in us and abide in us. When we are away from this nest, you sense this spiritual homesickness and there's this deep longing in silence to be reconciled and to be restored in right relationship with God. There's a desire to find solace and comfort in, in our own, own nest again. And here we can truly be ourselves to feel at home and at rest with God. In the end, when we practice finding stillness in God and finding space for God and drawing strength from God in silence and solitude, we'll experience him more deeply in our relationship with him. And we'll be able to embrace the sacredness and the true sanctity of life that is set apart by him to be holy as he is holy, to be in his presence, experience perfect peace and quietness and, and trust we'll find that strength in him. So this strength is found in Christ our Lord and God and the one true and living God and sovereign king. So let's take this moment to approach God. And I, I find that it's quite fitting in a message on silence and solitude to just make a vow of silence just for a moment. And before his throne of mercy, let's wait upon the Lord. And in a moment, I'll be reading a devotional hymn and I'll be concluding in prayer. And this hymn was written in the 1800s by William Dunn Long Langstaff and it's called Take the Time to Be Holy. So let's bow our hearts before him and what we'll do is just spend time with, in a moment of silence. And after this moment, I'll be reading the hymn for us and then I'll pray for us. So let's do this right now. Take time to be holy.
Speak oft with thy Lord. Abide in him always and feed on his word. Make friends of God's children. Help those who are weak. Forgetting in nothing his blessing to seek. Take time to be holy. The world rushes on. Spend much time in secret with Jesus alone. By looking to Jesus, like him thou shalt be. Thy friends in thy conduct his likeness shall see. Take time to be holy. Let him be thy guide. And run not before him, whatever be tied. In joy or in sorrow, still follow thy Lord. And looking to Jesus, still trusting in, in his word. Take the time to be holy, be calm in thy soul. Each thought and each motive beneath his control. Thus led by his spirit to fountains of love, thou soon shall be fitted for service above. Father in heaven, we thank you that we can dwell in stillness, silence, and solitude and find strength in you. We thank you that you've created this space where we can commune with you and embrace the sweetness of the fellowship that is in you. We thank you for perfect peace that you give us that this world can never give and that you would even give us the courage to step forward in faith and put the ways of the world aside, to cast all of our cares upon you and not worry about tomorrow, to be anxious about nothing, to find complete confidence in you, to totally trust in you with childlike faith and be unwavering in our hope that is found in Christ alone. So you are our living hope and our saving grace. And we thank you even for the gift of faith that you've given us so that we would know you and the son whom you sent and serve you with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. We pray that you fill us anew and you bring forth that fresh fire. And in those times where we're challenged to put aside time for silence and solitude, I pray God that you would help us to carve out that space, however brief or however long, wherever it may be a time that is beyond even our time and space. We trust, God, that you take us into the heavenly dimension and give us divine insight there and teach us that we have everything in you. And we thank you that you even us welcome us there. So, Father, we humbly give this morning offering to you, and we thank you for all that you've given to us. We pray this in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.